Are you here? Hmm? Well, welcome here to the Paul Leslie Hour. Thank you for joining us today. Did you know that singer-songwriter, rock and roll legend Paul McCartney is just about to turn 80 years old? Well, we wish Paul the happiest birthday ever. We've got a series of shows ahead of you that will be quite interesting. We're going to play Paul's interview with Rusty Anderson on this episode. Now, Rusty Anderson is most known as the lead guitarist with Paul McCartney, an association which began when Rusty Anderson contributed to the Paul McCartney album Driving Rain. He's been in the band ever since. And Rusty Anderson since appeared on quite a few Paul McCartney albums, like Back in the U.S., Back in the World, Chaos and Creation in the Backyard, Memory Almost Full, and the live album, Good Evening, New York. Rusty Anderson has also worked with an extensive list of artists from Cat Stevens, Meatloaf, Neil Diamond, Elton John, and Santana. He joined Paul for an interview where he talked not only about his career with Paul McCartney, but also his solo career. You see, Rusty Anderson has albums full of really interesting songs. Rusty Anderson's songwriting is creative and exceptional, full of thought-provoking lyrics and limitless styles. His debut record, Undressing Underwater, was released in 2003, receiving positive critical acclaim. He followed with his sophomore album, Born on Earth, another selection of songs that are distinctly Rusty Anderson. Hey, question. Can you help keep the Paul Leslie Hour going? We would love it if you'd go to www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. Now I think it's time we kicked off those maca theme shows right here on the Paul Leslie Hour. Our special guest is Rusty Anderson. In addition to being the lead guitarist for Paul McCartney, he's also a singer, songwriter, and recording artist. I'm going to share this quote from Rusty Anderson, and then we're going to bring him out for our exclusive interview. When I was a kid, I was like seven or eight. I had dreams that the Beatles would come to my door with their guitars and stuff and say, Hi, you want to play? And I'm like, yeah. And I'd wake up and be sad because it was only a dream. And then we're in the studio recording, and towards the end of that, Paul says, Hey man, I had a dream about you last night. It is with great pleasure we welcome guitarist, singer-songwriter Rusty Anderson. In addition to being the lead guitarist with Sir Paul McCartney, he's also a recording artist. He joins us to talk about his new album, Born on Earth. So first of all, thanks so much for joining us here. How are you, Paul? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm good, man. I think most stories are best from the beginning. So tell us a little bit about your early life. I guess musically, I sort of flipped out on the Beatles when I was five because my older sister was playing Beatle records. Coincidentally, right around that time, my 
I'm the youngest of my family, and my oldest brother, Mike, died of a kidney thing. And I was five, and he was 19. And I think it messed with the family, and I think my parents sort of numbed out and no one really talked about it. And I just went into music land and started exploring all sorts of different artists. And I got a guitar when I was eight, finally, that was um, an electric guitar and an amp, a little cheap pawn shop thing. But I was just way into it. And I think I just sort of really hyper-focused on the guitar you know, ever since. <laughs> you know, I've been doing the same thing since I was five, basically. Can you give us your recollections of the first public music performance you ever had? I was maybe nine years old. Uh, we did like three gigs at the school, different classrooms, playing with my little band and uh, the drummer, my friend Ronnie, and uh, another guy, I think it was Ken, playing, playing fake bass on a guitar. That was the first gig I can recall, but that was uh, quite a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us about the band Eulogy. Eulogy was uh, the first actual band that stayed together that I was in because I was always forming bands and and there was sort of the prerequisite to being my friend if you play an instrument and we could be in a band together because I was a little bit OCD I guess about it so yeah Eulogy was together maybe five or six years and yeah I had a lot of great experiences we played you know all over Orange County we played like 85 high schools in one year I think and then you know really got into playing through like uh, this it was through a radio station in Orange County, and then we played, uh, you know, a bunch of clubs in Hollywood and started doing gigs, you know, opening up for, like, you know, the police or Van Halen and things like that. And yeah, it was a fun band. Good music. Tell us a little bit about your influences on the guitar and also as a songwriter. You know, I have my guitar favorites. Like, I really always loved Mick Ronson, just for his melodic sense and his arrangement sense and his tone was so special. And I love Jimi Hendrix and Richie Blackmore and Jimmy Page. I think musically, I really, really have always loved uh, Debussy and Rachmaninoff and Gershwin. They're sort of my three favorite classical composers, and they sort of got into jazz a little bit, the early forms. I mean, they definitely have influenced jazz, and I think they're just beyond, you know, a whole other world. I definitely have a lot of influences, I guess, as all musicians do. Songwriting-wise... You know how it is. Everybody, especially these days, roll into so many different styles of music. I mean, everybody I ask, they say, I like a bit of everything. Very strange world in that respect. Yeah, there's so many genres. I mean, I'm influenced songwriting-wise from everyone, from Bob Dylan to uh, David Bowie. You know, I love a lot of the new music, MGMT and the White Stripes and Band of Horses and The Shins and Death Cab for Cutie and... You know, on and on. There's so many. I love Captain Beefheart, and I love Cream, and I love Todd Rundgren, and so many influences. I think ultimately, when I'm writing a song, I just have some ideas. Usually, I'll come up with a lyrical thing. Maybe I'll jot it down. Like, for instance, there's a song on the record called Julia Roberts, which was a dream. I, I wrote it down when I woke up because I thought it was really odd because, you know, just she popped in my head for no reason. And then... I forgot about it, and later I returned, I saw those lyrics, and I thought, oh, that'd be cool to turn into a song. So I actually co-wrote that with a friend of mine named Jordan Mahead, and we uh, turned that into a musical uh, finished song. It happens a lot of different ways. There's another song on the new album called Funky Birthday Cake. I was hoping you could tell all the listeners about that song. Well, that song, actually, it's funny because you brought up Eulogy. 
my friend Miles when uh, he was a singer in Eulogy and we were, you know, maybe 13 or something. And we just started hanging out and having fun and making music. And we wrote that song together when we were 13 or 14 or something. When I was working with Peter Smith, who co-produced some of the songs on my record, who also plays drums in my band live, I had a demo of that song, and he heard it, and he said, yeah, we should record this. Okay. It was just sort of an impulsive thing, and it ended up on the record. I was hoping you could tell all the listeners out there a little bit about meeting David Kahn. I was in a band called The Living Daylights, and uh, we had a single. It got over to David Kahn. He really liked the band. He was working at a major label, I think, uh, Columbia or something at the time, and we didn't end up signing with him, but he was a producer that worked on a lot of major different acts at the label. So I started working with him in the studio playing guitar, and uh, that was the beginning of a long relationship, because then eventually he started working with Paul for Driving Rain. They had talked, and he said, hey, man, I'm going to be doing this record in a few months. So this was like maybe two months before Driving Rain happened, which was, I guess, 2001. And he said, yeah, I think... uh, We've been needing some guitar work. And I said, well, man, come in. I'll be really excited to do that. And then I sort of didn't tell anyone about it. I didn't want to do the Hollywood jinx. And then sure enough, two months later, I was in the studio with Paul and David. And, uh, you know, that was uh, the beginning of, of working with Paul. You had an album before this one called Undressing Underwater. My two favorite songs on that album are Catbox Beach and Everybody Deserves an A in This Country. That was my first solo record. Catbox Beach, which Stuart Copeland played drums on, incidentally. We were in a band together called Animal Logic a few years ago. That song started off, the concept was a, a classical song, sort of rocked up. And then I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this sounds suspiciously like a surf song. I kind of got that vibe. So uh, named it Catbox Beach. And when Stuart played on it, I thought it'd be really a shame not to have his amazing reggae feel. So we, we sort of put a reggae bit in there, which I thought was cool because I'd never really heard a surf song, reggae song combo before. So that definitely had to stick. Everybody Deserves an A in This Country was a song that I guess I was hanging out with some friends. And funnily enough, we had this plan to take mushrooms and, and record music. I'm not that I'm a big drug person or anything, but that day, that's what we did. I don't know if you've ever tried to do anything when you take mushrooms. It's pretty... <laughs> It's pretty tough, especially singing. So we didn't get a whole lot of music done that day, but sort of the birth of the uh, concept of Everybody Deserves an A was, to be frank, motivated by the (laughs) brain mindset. Well, it managed to score a really cool song, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, thanks. You've done a lot of things in your musical career. You've done session works for people like Little Richard, Neil Diamond, Carole King. You have two records... You perform on your own, and of course you also perform with Sir Paul McCartney. When you look at your musical history, is there something that you're most proud of? I'm really glad to be making a living playing music. I feel very, very lucky, especially I just finished reading that book, Grapes of Wrath, and now I feel extra, extra lucky, because in these crazy days, you never know what you get. I mean, it's been amazing working with Paul for the last eight plus years. seen all sorts of things, you know, gone all over the world, and you know, musically, I just try to make music that I'm proud of and I can stand behind and trying to just contribute to making melodies or some lyrical idea or something that maybe will inspire somebody basically to communicate. I think that's what it's about for everybody is, you know, they say that the, the most important thing for people is to communicate with others and to feel understood. And I would definitely concur with that. 
When someone listens to a recording you performed on or they see you in concert, either by yourself or with someone else, what is it that you hope that the audience gets out of the experience of the music? Oh, man, every, you know, people get what they get. I mean, it's exciting to get responses back from people and to hear the different things that people interpret from music, whether it's playing with Paul out there doing shows or doing you know the records with Paul or doing my own uh, live shows. You know, I just got the record Born on Earth out, so I'm starting to get a few responses and they've been incredibly positive. And it was the same with uh, Dressing Underwater and people had their interpretations, you know, their favorite songs. Everybody's got their, their favorite song that they relate to. I think that the cool thing about music is that it's untouchable and therefore it makes it very uh, individual. The impressions people get from the music is very individual. I guess with any art, you know, you're going to get a million different opinions, whether you're dealing with uh, contemporary art or, or classic art or whatever. You're listening to our interview with Rusty Anderson, who's here joining us to talk about his new album, Born on Earth. I was hoping you could tell everyone out there about the title track. It's basically sort of about the infinitesimal chance that we would be alive in this crazy era of technology boom and, and the way the world has changed so much. And, you know, we could have been alive three million years ago or now. Or It's a crazy time, I would say, and I think you'd probably concur. And the song just sort of is a reflection of that. And I think that it's an epic sort of piece. I would just say you have to listen to it to kind of understand what I'm talking about, maybe. <laughs> what song from the songs you recorded that you wrote means the most to you? Where Would We Go? Private Moonflower. They're sort of uh, personal songs. You know, the, the new record, I think every song has some personal aspect and it has some global aspect to them. And so I felt like the title Born on Earth sort of fit the record and the song and in fact, I was up in Alaska hanging out a few years ago. Some friends of mine were getting married. Actually, I was kayaking out in the edge in this sort of bay at the ocean. And in the grass, there was this mannequin sitting there, sort of out of the blue. And I took a picture of it because I thought it was so odd. And then I ended up using that for the record cover. And it sort of summed up to me the, the sort of incongruency of life these days the randomness of it. Having recorded your own music and gotten the chance to play music all over the world, you could honestly say that music has done some things for you that most people will never get a chance to experience. Having said that, are there any dreams that you have that you have not yet experienced that you're working on making happen? That's a very good question. I think there's certainly a part of me that feels drawn towards getting more involved in... Um, philanthropic types of things, um, you know, charities. There's so many good causes these days to be involved with, whether it's, um, you know, helping people out in Africa. I feel very strongly about that. I also feel strongly about the environment and global warming. And I'm sort of trying to find a good place for my energies in that realm. Certainly, I think I'll always be making music and creating new uh, themes, whatever medium it's in, whether it's you know, new CDs or, you know, MP3s or whatever the media is at the moment. Certainly playing more gigs with Paul, and uh, it's a good ride that I'm on, and, and I just want to keep it expanding and, and communicate with more and more people. That's pretty much it. Through the eyes of Rusty Anderson, 
when you're on stage performing in front of just thousands and thousands of people where everyone's looking at you and there's definitely this energy and this positivity coming from everyone. Tell us through your eyes, what is that experience like? You know, it's a weird loop. You can't think about it too much. I mean, I sort of just vibe off the audience, you know, look for friendly faces and people that are into it. And I guess in a certain way, I feel more at home on stage than I do anywhere else, just because I've been doing it a long time. And it's, it's always like an engaging challenge to try to really connect in that Zen way, you know, playing guitar and singing and being up there and grooving with everybody. And, uh, it's the pretty astounding feeling. I think the biggest gig we did was uh, in Rome for 500,000 people. In a way, the smaller the audience, the harder, the more intimidating it could be. Like playing for one person is almost the most intimidating thing there is, as opposed to playing for huge audiences. On the other hand, playing that gig in Rome, there was 500,000 people, and it was a super buzz. Like you felt this extra kick of energy thrill. I can't explain it, but... You know, like we were doing, uh, I think, Let It Be, and there's a bunch of people holding up lighters, and it was at night, and this was in front of the Coliseum, and you look down the Appian Way, and it was like a river of uh, fireflies going off the edge of the planet. It was, you couldn't even see the end of it. It was pretty uh, heavy and, and sort of monumental. It's like you can't really remember it either. It's sort of like eating chocolate or something. It's an experience that you can't have unless you are engaged in the middle of it, and then you can remember what it's like. Working our way back to your album, can you tell us about some of the musicians who played on that album? The latest one is primarily Peter, the drummer, and I, and the other guys in my band played on some tunes, too, and did a lot of background vocals. And I wanted to keep it a little bit more on that level, more sort of band-centric. Uh, there was a, another guy, uh, Bunk Gardner, a good friend of mine, who played in The Mothers of Invention, who was a huge influence on me when I was you know, a kid growing up, and I always loved the music. That was uh, Frank Zappa, The Mother's Invention, and I, I liked that sort of incarnation the best because it had this really organic, out-of-control kind of feeling, and um, Bunk plays uh, woodwinds and sax and flute. And I think he played sax and uh, bass clarinet on Funky Birthday Cake. That was a lot of fun. The last record, Paul McCartney played on a track and Stuart Copeland played on a track and it was a little more kind of um, fun bringing all these outside musicians in. Like I said, this one is more sort of about the band. Oh, another friend of mine, Gabby Marino, sang background vocals on a few songs and I think that's about it. Tell us about the song Timed Exposure on the album Born on Earth. Timed Exposure... I'm not exactly sure what the song's about, to tell you the truth. It just came about organically, and I think the music came first. It seemed to somehow uh, connect the global sort of macro perspective on the world and what we all go through, that personal experience. One verse is written, from a, I think, from a fortune cookie, combination fortune cookie and personal ads that I saw in the newspaper. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, different things will inspire lyrics. Can you tell all the listeners out there how they can find out more about not only the new album, but also more about you? Well, there's RustyAnderson.com. There is my MySpace. I started doing this Twitter thing, so look for that. I'm doing Guitar Center in-store CD signings. This broadcast is going out all over the world. My final question for you, Mr. Rusty Anderson, 
What would you like mm-hmm. to say to all those people that are listening in? Oh, just say hello and uh, happy to e-meet you or vibe with you. <laughs> Hope to see you at uh, some shows soon. I'm always into connecting with people. Rusty, thank you so much for doing this interview. It means a You're lot. You're welcome, Paul. It's my pleasure. Very good. Thanks so much. Okay. Take care, Paul. Have, Have fun. A good one. Bye-bye. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.